Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. We have a great episode for you today, all about going deep into methylene blue, which is a very popular topic with people, and also different ways to use melatonin with none other than Dr. John Laurence. I was lucky enough to be in Sarasota and speaking at his Women's Health Summit in July of this year, and uh, we got to record this podcast in person at the event. In any event, before we jump in, I do want to thank you for being here. I want to encourage you to go to natnidham.com and sign up for my newsletter because that's how you're going to find out about my Black Friday gift guide that's going to be out really, really soon. So just go to natnidham.com, sign up for that newsletter. And while you're there, Check out the BSP community, which is the private membership community that I host on Mighty Networks. We do lots of great stuff there. If you're one of those people that wants to hang out with me, hang out with a lot of other cool people and join live Q&As with me and other experts, then this might just be the place for you. So did you know that your quantum energy field, yes, you, you have a quantum energy field, is constantly being disrupted by... The mundane things like toxicity and chronic stress. This is why I use Leela Quantum Tech products. Stress is a known element in aging. It's that thing that can speed aging up and many people still struggle to manage it. I mean, look, we're all doing breath work. We're meditating. We're doing all the things. But at the end of the day, sometimes the stress can be overwhelming. So by leveraging Leela Quantum products, you can help yourself master stress and feel more at ease, ultimately contributing to a longer life, longer and healthier life. Leela Q products have been studied with dark field microscopy, and those studies are on their website. I encourage you to go check them out. That's what really got me super interested in this topic. These studies demonstrate significant protective and improvement effects of the Leela Quantum Block technology on people's blood following only a 10-minute exposure. And with over 15 studies done and counting, Leela Q's latest third-party study revealed a remarkable 20 to 29% increase in ATP production, a vital process for cells and, as you guys know, for your body. By harnessing quantum energy, you can give your body a boost and slow down aging. So, you can upgrade your life with Leela Quantum's pure quantum energy by visiting leelaq.com and use code NAT10 and get 10% off your first Leela Quantum Tech order. Okay, let's talk a little bit about this episode. I'm excited about this. What if there was a magical potion for enhanced energy? In this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast, Dr. John Laurence walks us through the evolution of regenerative medicine. From the simplest form of cod liver oil to the innovative treatments of today, Dr. Laurence enlightens us on the wonders of platelet-rich plasma, exosomes, bone marrow stem cells, and how they can speed up the healing process and enhance overall health. What's more, we dive into the power of V-cells and how they can work in conjunction with these treatments for greater healing efficiency. I actually had the pleasure of having a V-cell infusion while I was there. So these are my very own V-cells that were drawn out with my blood, spun down, and then re-delivered to my body. 
We also delve deeper into the world of methylene blue and melatonin, exploring their diverse applications from suppressing microbial replication to boosting mitochondrial activity. We discuss the alchemy of combining methylene blue and melatonin, forming a magical potion for enhanced energy and depression aid. Dr. John Laurence, a renowned chiropractic neurologist with over 22 years of experience in Sarasota, has gained significant attention for his groundbreaking functional cranial release procedure. I got to do that too. That was really wild. That involves like a little balloon up your nose. It's kind of cool. He masterfully blends therapies that address the three pivotal pillars, identity, divinity, and vitality. Beyond FCR, Dr. Lawrence's holistic approach to health and wellness is evident in his dedication to his craft, which extends beyond his clinic at Advanced Rejuvenation. He also travels globally, imparting his knowledge to other medical professionals. To learn more and to get your hands on some of these amazing products that we talk about on the podcast, visit mitozen.club and use code NAT10 to save 10%. Okay, but before we jump into the episode, one last thing. How tired are you of spending hours on cardio with minimal results, sometimes with worse results? Well, listen up, because I've got a game-changing fitness breakthrough for you. Carol Bike, the science-backed, time-saving solution trusted by experts for optimizing health and longevity. I discovered Carol Bike, I want to say four or five years ago at a conference and ever since, well, I actually bought one at the time and I've been obsessed with this bike ever since. With Carol's revolutionary reduced exertion hit workout, so rehit for short, you can achieve double the health and fitness benefits compared to regular cardio in 90% less time. Studies show that by doing Carol's quick five-minute workout just three times a week, you can improve your fitness by 12%, reduce the risk of type 2 diabetes by 62%, and even wind back your internal clock by up to 10 years. The science is clear. Carol Bike is your ticket to a healthier, more vibrant life in less time. And here's an exclusive offer for you. You can get $100 off with code NAT. Don't wait any longer. Visit carolbike.com and unlock your path to longevity today. And now let's jump into the episode. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Dr. John Laurence, I usually welcome people to the podcast, but I think today I'm just going to say it is such a pleasure to be here with you in Sarasota at your stunning clinic. Thank you. We'll welcome your podcast to our clinic. Yeah, well, thank you. I don't, it's, it's, um, it's such a different experience being in person live with someone. I, I actually, I wish I could do it more often. So I'm, yeah. I was so happy when your people reached out and your, your people reached out, <laughs> Brooke reached out and said, Hey, how about you record with uh, Dr. John while you're here? And I was like, Oh my God, that's a brilliant idea. Let's do it. And what's even more exciting is that we're sitting here recording early mid-afternoon on, on Wednesday, and I've been on a journey today um, mm -hmm. in your clinic. And so I would say it starts when you walk in the door, uh, not even when you walk in the door, when you actually park in the parking lot, before you come in the door, there's a beautiful statue outside and it's one of many. Mm -hmm. um, as we come through the space. And so I think the first thing I want to say, I just want to comment on the energy and the sense of peace and just the, just the, I mean, 
not to be cheesy, but just this beautiful vibe that is in the space. And, and frankly, everybody that works here, including you, like you've done such a beautiful job. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Well, I think that's important in, you know, in a space of healing. You know, I, I, don't, I don't like to call myself a healer because the, the, the healer is within us all. You know, we have the ability to heal. We just have um, interference that um, blocks that expression of health and vitality. And so as um, physicians, you know, the, the, the real um, meaning of that is to teach uh, a teacher, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. um, we find the areas that where there's blockages and um, you teach people how to live healthier and, and kind of basically shed light on where they might be not seeing things in their life that are causing some stress. And, you know, I think it's important to have an environment that allows people to kind of calm down and relax and stress, mental, emotional stress. Like if you're in a space that um, like McDonald's purposely makes it so like you're agitated because they want to turn over. They want you out. So yeah. the colors they pick has been very meticulous so that, you know, after 20, 30 minutes, like you want to get out of there. Yeah. You don't know why, but you want to get out of there. Yeah. Right? Probably has to do, I mean, actually, I wouldn't even know this, but I'll bet you even the seats, the ergonomics of the tables and chairs, I'll bet you have some are designed in a certain way. Mm-hmm. I think the last time I was in a McDonald's, I needed to go to the bathroom on the highway. <laughs> yeah. well, that was the food <laughs> no I didn't eat the food I just had to go to the bathroom and I stopped oh. at a McDonald's <laughs> oh, oh I got you okay. <laughs> which is like generally a better option than gas stations yeah so. you were really desperate <laughs> oh yeah no I had to go and they didn't even make me buy anything they were actually kind of nice about it <laughs> yeah well it's interesting to think about like from our perspective you know I mean for many many years I've known how terrible McDonald's was but the average person really doesn't you know I mean maybe they're starting to, but last I checked, one out of every eight meals eaten in the United States was at McDonald's. Really? That is a crazy stat. Yeah. That's amazing. All right. Well, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I want to, I want to actually, I want to go to this place where I want to actually, you know, I, one of the questions I want to ask you is tell me a little bit about the people that come to you, right? Because you, you have this beautiful clinic in, in a beautiful part of Florida that a lot of people don't know, right? People think Florida, they're either Miami, Fort Lauderdale, maybe West Palm Beach, Orlando, mm-hmm. you know, but not a lot of people come to, to Sarasota. And it's, a, again, it's also a very different energy in mm-hmm. Sarasota than you will find in a lot of these other places. But so how do people find you? Because this is a, you know, this is a tiny community, right? So... Well, you know, Sarasota was originally really um, developed by John Ringling, you know, the Ringling Ringling brothers. So John Ringling um, set up his base camp here and he was responsible for a lot of the innovations with the railroad because, you know, he needed to move his, you know, the circus to, you know, different places. And so um, they set up and he's got a home that's a... um, the, the Ringling Museum and, and their, their old home is, 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 is something that you should go check out if you have time. Really? But it's, it's really amazing what, you know, and even with the technology, the top technologies they, they had, because they had the most cutting edge, you know, Sudai refrigeration. And, you know, it's like it's nothing like what the average person has now, like right. the way that we live. 
is like better than any king or queen ever did. I mean, we can, you know, go anywhere in the world within, you know, a day, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But he lived amazingly back then. And one of the things he's known for was he bought, he bought up a lot of property and he would, he would, um, um, leave a lot of that property undeveloped. In fact, like Longboat Key, which is the most, um, highest um, income per mile or something in the United States. It's like a lot of wealth on this one island. He used to own the entire island. In fact, he used to own most of Sarasota. And when he, um, Mabel Ringling, his wife passed. And so he became sick and wasn't really functioning that well. And eventually died with like literally not a penny to his name where he was, I think the third or fourth wealthiest person in the world at one time. Wow. And he, he died not poor because he was very wealthy with land, mm -hmm. but he refused to sell his land. Oh, yeah. And so he timed it where he literally ran out like within a dollar the day he died. Wow. And he gave all of this land to the city of Sarasota. And there was some caveats because he wanted to leave some of it natural. So what you'll find here, which is really different from like Miami or Fort Lauderdale or whatever, is that there's these big sections right in the city, in the city, which are like parks, you know, Amazing. And there's these mangrove tunnels where you go and you can paddleboard through and you feel like you're in the Amazon. Wow. I definitely have to spend a bit more time here and check it out. It sounds mm. gorgeous. Yeah. So anyway, but this is where you set up shop. Is this where you're from? No, I'm originally from Hawaii. I grew up another spectacular place. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, Kailua beach and siesta. So siesta key is, um, just, you know, a barrier Island off the coast here. And, um, I live there and, um, it's a, it's an energy vortex. There's actually like ley lines that intersect there. And the, there's a huge plate of crystal. So for people that are into like healing energy, you know, this draws a lot of people in. Um, and so the other place where I moved from in Hawaii, that beach was always in the top one or two in the, you know, in the world and, and Siesta Key and Sarasota. It's interesting. One year they were one and two. So I was like, that's pretty cool. You know, from one to the other, yeah, yeah. but I've been really blessed. That's amazing. All right. So let's talk about the people that come here. Like, do you, do you generally see, I mean, you must see all kinds of people. I'll bet you're seeing people across the spectrum from very ill people through to people who are looking to optimize and take things to the next level. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's interesting. You attract people that you've kind of had that journey yourself. So I had um, some challenges with mold and Lyme and Epstein Barr. And um, I, I look back at, you know, the years and years of suffering and then figuring out solutions to that and then coming up with protocols and plans. And that's what kind of born um, mitozen.com, yeah. which, you know, I develop a lot of products for that company. And we use a lot of those protocols with our patients. Um, I, I would say that um, we have a bit of a focus here with orthopedic, non-surgical, kind of like regenerative medicine, orthopedic. Yeah. So we see a lot of people with, you know, bone on bone arthritis, rotator cuff tears, um, you know, injuries to their spine, um, you know, different types of tendon, cartilage, um, joint damage. And we use everything from like different placental products to even bone marrow, platelet-rich plasma, prolotherapy, ozone, variety of things. 
Um, what makes us unique is that we do a lot of these procedures, which you didn't get a chance to really witness, but you might maybe tomorrow is we use high definition ultrasound. So we literally can diagnose and guide these injections, you know, precisely. Okay. So, oh yeah. Well, that takes things to another level, mm-hmm. right? This yeah. whole, this whole under imaging kind of concept, mm-hmm, particularly sure. when you're talking about joints. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the bone on bone stuff. Cause I'm always curious about that. These are, I mean, you've, you've mentioned all the things that people in my community and every other community are, are struggling with the mm-hmm. Lyme, the mold, um, and the, the Epstein-Barr virus, I mean, it's so prevalent. It's, I think you'd, you'd struggle to find a person that hasn't been touched by it at some point. For sure. Um, but, um, but the bone-on-bone is a particularly perplexing problem because everybody gets told you can't grow back cartilage. You mm-hmm. can't. There's nothing you can do about that. You need a fill-in-the-blank joint, knee, like you need a knee, a hip, or whatever replacement. What's your perspective on that? Because I think that there's there's been advances made in that area that a lot of people don't know about or and a lot of people in the medical sphere either aren't aware of or don't want to acknowledge so maybe we can talk about that a little bit yeah well we were earlier uh early adopters in regenerative medicine in the very beginning it was mostly we're using cod liver oil or a high um high concentration of dextrose um a, a little bit of ozone in the earlier days and we were using these solutions to irritate the tissues to get them to um, go into a, um, a healing phase, you know, mm-hmm. and to produce collagen or for chondrocytes to kind of go into a blastic phase and pro- um, produce um, colli- um, 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 cartilage. And it was, um, it was really amazing in a lot of senses. However, it required a number of visits back in the earlier days, right? So like you maybe see people for 15 to 20 visits, mm. right? And then as we kind of moved along in time, platelet-rich plasma was one of the first real innovations that came along where we were drawing blood and spinning the blood down and using the healing components of the blood. So platelets hold something called growth factors. And so those growth factors are numerous, right? And it's like a symphony that orchestrates this healing cascade. And inflammation is always in the, in the forefront of that, kind of kicking that whole symphony off. And so um, using the platelets made a big difference because with the blood, you also have something called fibrin, which acts as a scaffold. Right. So you're able to basically graft new tissue. And that's the way that your body naturally heals itself anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So you have an injury, you have blood that's in a liquid form, it bleeds into the area, yeah. and then it, it it activates, the platelets activate and it turns hard. Mm-hmm. And that hard gelatin structure, which we think of as a blood clot, is actually a graft. Mm-hmm. And then that starts to home and call in the stem cells, which migrate in and you start to get new tissue formed. So the body has this just amazing healing potential. Um, what they found early on with things like, so if, if I, when I see, when I hear the word bone on bone, I'm thinking this is like a very advanced arthritic joint right. where there's a lot of loss of cartilage. Um, what always precedes that is loose damaged ligaments because the ligaments are holding the structural stability of the joint. And when those get loose and damaged, it allows the joint to start moving into an unfavorable positions that compromise the cartilage. The cartilage starts to get nicked up. And the key is, is that cartilage 
is no longer um, friction free. There's there's friction, right? right? It's rough. And that roughness stirs up inflammation. And so now you have a cycle of rough cartilage, inflammation, the, the ligaments are loose. And so when you start looking at what the pr- true problem is at the deepest um, source is it's you want some smooth cartilage and you want to tighten the ligaments around the joint. So this is typically the, um, the, uh, the target with regenerative medicine. However, most practitioners that are getting into this didn't go through the rigorous training in the beginning where we were doing a lot of meticulous prolotherapy where they know where to place these injections so that you're also making sure that you're strengthening all of the supporting structures. Let's see. It's the first time I've heard mention of this, the strengthening of the supporting structures, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, which makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really important. And that's, that's what happens to us as we get older is it's the denser tissues that don't have a lot of blood supply mm. that take on some sort of stress, which weakens it. But then there's no regeneration that happens because you can't bring in the groceries, take out the garbage, you know, as well in certain tissues as you can in other. Like if your gums get injured, it heals by the next day. Right. But if you sprain a finger, I don't know, you ever sprain a finger? I just know soft tissue injuries are miserable. I've sprained lots of things. And yeah. I, I've at times said I would have preferred to have broken the thing right. than to have sprained it. Right, because that's connective ever. tissue. <laughs> yes. That's connective. And it's probably not like it was even today, mm-hmm. right? 70% of the time, these connective tissue injuries never heal. Yeah. And they lend itself to an insta- unstable joint, which then causes or allows the joint to become arthritic that then you get to this point where, you know, the longer that's the situation, the more severe it gets. So when we start looking at more severe arthritic conditions, platelet-rich plasma really doesn't move the needle um, as well as if you do like an official stem cell treatment where you actually take stem cells either either from you. So that's um, allogeneic, which is from you. Um, Or if you take um, stem cells from somebody else, um, then... Those those would typically be like from cord blood, which, you know, we don't use a lot of that, like from a placenta. Mm-hmm. Um, we use uh, more of something called exosomes. OK, right. So and so the exosome. And so I'm hearing more about exosomes as well. So you're finding for those more severe joint degenerate degenerative conditions mm-hmm. that the exosomes are seem to be like. A much better and so a much better solution. So sorry, I'm going to try to finish my sentence here. Um, so, are you finding that the cartilage is regenerating to to the point where it becomes smooth again? And so, when we say bone on bone, is the cartilage actually all gone, or is it just an expression to say there's been a degradation of the cartilage that's there? But there's still something there to to often, fix yeah, that often, the body can heal. Yeah, oftentimes when we visualize things on the ultrasound, you can see that. You know, in some cases, people come that have been diagnosed as bone on bone by their orthopedic have actually plenty of cartilage. Um, And then some people, they have some areas that are and it's usually like there's just certain areas that are like, you know, maybe half a centimeter or something that are kind of like bone on bone. It's usually not like it's totally shaved off. Yeah. But the orthopedics love to use that term because it sounds it's terrible. Dramatic. It makes you want to go get surgery, like take it out of me. Yeah, fix it. Yeah. Yeah, whatever it takes. But, but you know, even as early as 2012, which we were, I, we started in about 2010 
um, extracting bone marrow from our patients in our clinic. And we were even, even adipose tissue, yeah. like fat, nobody's, has a tremendous amount of stem cells. <laughs> well, no, it's it's America's greatest resource. It's Are you kidding right? me? <laughs> totally renewable. <laughs> there's, there's like a hundred times more stem cells and fat than any other part of the body. But um, so... Um, back in 2010, we started using bone marrow and then this, this study came out. We were really excited about in 2012, showing that they took two sets of, um, of people that needed uh, joint replacement surgery. And one uh, part of the group did the, re- the joint replacement and the other, um, the others did stem cells with bone marrow, right? And this yeah. was hip, knee and shoulder. And they found that the results were kind of similar, meaning that three, three years down the road, that it was really close. However, there was one slight difference where if you were athletic, you were more prone to go back into doing sports Mm. if you did the stem cells. So it was slightly better, but think about the recoveries like a day after a treatment like this. My husband had a hip replacement. Let me tell you, it's not a day. No. Yeah. And he was lucky. He was athletic and he stayed in shape until his surgery. But most people, by the time they get to that hip replacement surgery, they are so out of shape. They are so overweight. They're in such bad shape to begin with. Even the recovery is compromised. Well, did you know insurance companies pay for stem cells only if it's done during a surgery? So like if they did a... (laughs) Um, meniscus cleanup or something, which you really don't want to go for that anyway. No. It, they may, it's the research on that's very poor. It, it leads to more arthritis, but um, they would pay for you to do a bone marrow stem cell. And, it, and a lot of doctors will actually do that. But this is the thing people ask, look, why it doesn't insurance pay for stem cells is because it's so like non challenging to the body it's 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 like there's such grace with receiving a stem cell treatment the recovery everybody would want to go do it right yeah and the insurance companies would be inundated with all of these people wanting to get the treatment it's the surgery going in to get the surgery nobody wants to go into the surgery which is like keeping people from actually going and you know yeah mm-hmm. interesting all right well so let's let's keep going here because we have i have an agenda there's things i want okay. to talk about right. and stem cells is part of it but not just the run-of-the-mill stem cells there's now a new kid on the block um cells. very small stems very small embryonic embryonic like stem, stem cells um the f b cells yeah is what yeah those of us in the know call them uh-huh. um and so so where do these cells fit in because they seem and maybe, I mean, again, you're doing a great job explaining everything to us. So maybe explain what's, what are V-cells? How are they different? And should we, should, and I guess the, it's, they're very new, so we're still learning a lot about them. Mm-hmm. But they certainly sound like a whole other way to do this magical thing, which is tap into the body's power of healing and just kind of reignite it in a sense, right? Which is that, well, that's, yeah, that's what we all want, right? We want to, we want to be healthy into our old age and and be able to function and enjoy it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so this type of medicine is really the future. And, um, there's a lot of innovations that seem to happen all the time. And so I was first made aware of these cells maybe a year ago and immediately I went, and started to get trained on it. And, um, 
basically um, there are these tiny stem cells that are in your blood. Um, the challenge is you can, you know, you, you, you pull the blood, but you need to do something to allow those tiny stem cells to become liberated from these proteins that lock them in mm-hmm. and kind of hold them as hostage. And once you do that, um, the, these V cells can literally, in the process that we use, we actually regenerate. So you actually get a doubling or a tripling of the existing amount of V cells. Okay. Through, is that what the, the laser's activation. about? That's what the laser's about, yeah. So, so, so the process guys, and I'm actually have the gift of doing some this today is you have a blood draw and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things we did beforehand. Cause you have, obviously you have now a protocol around these things and there's other things that you do at the same time, but you have a blood draw. The, the blood is then centrifuge in a very particular way to separate the components, I guess. And you mm-hmm. end up with a plasma serum. It looks mm-hmm. like to me, mm-hmm. uh, serum, and it ends up being put into a Lila block mm-hmm. first um, to give it energy. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing, um, and then it's re it's brought back to the body, mm-hmm. and then there's a laser that's involved, a red laser. Mm-hmm. So maybe talk a little bit about the different pieces that are happening here, and and then I would love it if you would move into also. Where do you see V-cells going from here? Because V-cells are really interesting. Could they be, and, and is it too soon to tell, are they going to be better or different than the stem cells we're getting from, from adipose tissue or bone marrow? Yeah. Well, I think um, the V-cells, from what I've experienced clinically, have been um, less of the... The strength to heal like a a bone-on-bone arthropathy or a more severe orthopedic condition. Yeah. Um, We use V-cells with that, but we usually combine it with other things, you know, getting a stacking effect or a synergistic effect. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, say, with bone marrow or exosomes, will it fortify it, you know, to that joint? Um, What's nice about the V-cells is that they can be um, run as an IV, Right. right. Like what we did with you. Yeah. In fact, that's, we did all of them IV and we can also what's called home them in it's a homing. Um, so the laser done at right angles. And so where the, that laser intersects in the body creates this activation that, that, that triggers a homing. And, and that's a really interesting phenomenon that happens in the body. Because like, if you think about it, if you have an infection somewhere, like if you have a cut, here, you'll have macrophages literally from your foot that might will migrate here because it's all these frequencies and this energetic communication that's happening, right? And it's an all hands on deck thing. Like everybody over here, uh-huh. but you're injecting your V cells systemically and it's, where do they go? How, you know, can you draw their attention to specific areas? And that's where the laser comes in. And that's what we did. So we did it to your pineal, your pituitary, um, we did a brain protocol. We did the frontal lobe, the parietal lobe, the occipital lobe, and the cerebellum. Um, we did the brain stem, mm-hmm. the pons, really important, the pons. I'm going to be talking about the structure in the pons Good. called the locus cerulis. Yes. I'm going to be talking about that tomorrow. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about presenting the blue spot. It's, it's what it's called in Latin. Locus cerulis is a blue spot. Okay. So I'm going to be presenting this idea of this blue spot in the ponds and your brainstem and how critically important it is uh, to take care of and 
when you look at almost all of the biohacking and all of the things that we do with hormones and peptides and circadian rhythm and sleep and um, breath work, like it all goes right to this blue spot. Really? It's absolutely mind-blowing. it's funny because we always think of the pineal gland and yet there's always something new. There's a new person on, new hot zone. <laughs> uh, uh, on the field yeah. yeah and it's going to be really interesting to see how that that develops so i started writing a book about about it and um a lot of that started when i was writing this book called it's all in your head yeah which is this book here yeah right? so this is a, yeah it's a book on endonasal but i i when i write i get um, I get into these rabbit holes, right? And it's, it's pertinent information, but it expands into some depth. And one of the chapters um, in the book was on um, nasal breathing. Mm -hmm. And what I started to really dive into was how important that air going through the nasal passage was um, from a sensory standpoint, how it paced something called limbic oscillations or um, neurologic not oscillations, which are... Um, anywhere from two to 14 Hertz, right? So literally there's a pacing that happens and this synchronicity that is created with all these different parts of the brain allow the brain to have this harmonious rhythm. Hmm. And without it, things really go south. And they've noticed this with people that are mouth breathers. And, and besides breathing through the nose, it matters which side you're breathing through the nose. So like, for instance, the left side of the nose is more parasympathetic and the right is more sympathetic. Um, I've even heard stories. I, I don't, have you ever heard of um, Niraj? He does the Soma breathwork. I've heard of Soma breathwork. Yeah. So I, I got a chance to hang out with him at the biohacking conference right yeah. in Orlando. Yeah. And I wound up doing the endonasal balloons on him as well. And he loved it. Um, but he was telling me some of his research was these old African um, um, battles where these tribal um, members were not allowed to go into battle unless they did some different mechanisms to open up their na their nasal so that they were more because I don't know if you've noticed it like sometimes one side of your nose is more open than the other. Well, I'm noticing it now. Yeah, and it, and it <laughs> as, all as we speak, I'm like. <laughs> Wait, right side seems more open than left side. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it alternates naturally throughout the day. And this is this rhythm that the body goes through. The, it's the yin and the yang. And when you lay on your left side, your right nostril should open up and vice versa if you lay on your right side. And so if your left nostril is open, then you would think that you're going to be more favored to be in a more calm relaxed state for digestion and, and rest mm -hmm. where if the right side's more open, then that would be more like your, your brain's clear, you know, like if you need to get things done and you need to be working, we're good. I'm so good. what I figured a hack, right space, <laughs> I found a hack for it. You did peppermint oil. You take Brilliant. a little dab of peppermint oil just right on the side of the nose and you put it on the side that you want activated. Yeah. And so I shared this with Niraj and he was like all about it. Oh yeah. Don't you love it when you meet someone in space and you tell them something and their brain goes, uh -huh. like, oh my God, that's so brilliant. Yeah. Why didn't I think of that? Uh -huh. That's awesome. Okay. So let's, let's get back to the V cells. Okay. Let's just, and, and we're going to come back to the, to the endonasal stuff as well, but let's go back to the V cells. So you were saying that you're finding the V cells 
for now, clinically, you're not finding that from an orthopedic perspective, they're necessarily as powerful as the other stem cells that you, the other protocols you use the stem cells and exosomes for. Um, but they can be combined with stem cells and exosomes. But what are, what are you finding so far clinically as their superpower? What's the thing about these cells that is different or is adding to the piece of the pie? Well, um, systemic applications, okay. you know, with IVs. And so um, more, more often than not, V cells are stacked onto other things. Like it's not uncommon for us to have a patient that comes in with a hip and a spine and they might also have, um, you know, some hormone issues. So they may have some, we might want to target their glands, right? And so we would directly inject the B cells and combine those with peptides. You know, we actually use peptides in a lot of our cocktails. Of I call it a cocktail. Do. Yeah, it's like, You know, you totally. put different things in the syringe. A hundred percent. So we like, um, we like adding BCP-157, thymus and beta, and I really love GHK copper peptide. We use that in a lot. In fact, we put a dash of that in with your B-cells. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Well, GHK, I think we've only scratched the surface on it. And I mean, Lauren, it's Lauren Picard, Dr. Lauren Picard's life's work. Mm-hmm. And he's, wait, if you try to call him and talk to him, he's like, he's writing a book or he's mm-hmm. busy, mm-hmm. right? But what, what university was it that looked at and how many genes GHK acts on. And it's like, is it a thousand or 4,000? It's like, it's mind blowing. Yeah. How much this little tripeptide, like all of the many things it does in the body and just seems to reset. One of the things that really excite me a lot about GHK copper peptide is its ability to reverse fibrosis in the body. And I also love how it's very regenerative. And so for me, I can't think of a better nutrient to deliver to the lungs, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, I think you have a lot of people that follow you that are kind of like me, you know, because of my history with Lyme and mold and tons. And it's kind of like, this is what is going on with a lot of people. Right. And it's probably been like that for a long time. I think we're just getting, we've gotten better at diagnosing it, Mm -hmm. but, um, What's happening is people are having all of this inflammation and the lungs are like the canary in the coal mine. I mean, they're very sensitive tissue, very sensitive tissue. And when you start running into this inflammatory situation, TGF beta one is a really common inflammatory marker. So if anybody's listening to this and they have any type of lung issues and your doctor hasn't written you a script for TGF beta one, um, you, you have to get that checked because in the, if you look in the research, it's very clear that that's what causes the fibrosis to lay down mm-hmm. is that inflammatory marker. So whatever's triggering that, which is usually mold, but it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be, um, that's what you want to treat. And then once you figure out what's causing that inflammation, you, uh, you, you address that, you can start doing regenerative medicine on the lungs. And so we use V cells for lung regeneration with COPD. Wow. Um, we do an IV with that and we hone them in on the lungs, but we don't even really need to do a lot of homing because well, the body first knows. pass flushes through the lungs anyway. Yeah. And the body knows the work that needs to be done to a degree. Yeah. I mean, when you have an active injury, mm-hmm. everything's being called there anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we make a, um, a platelet lysate, um, product that we send people home that's frozen and they can do their own nebulization, which it's a very regenerative treatment from their own blood 
Um, and then I, I developed a product I call Breathe. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we might have been talking about it earlier. It's got GHK and this um, this antioxidant called a prosinin. Yeah. And um, and so it's and, and also it's got um, Douglas fir in it. And nice. Alpha and beta pinene. And so like these pine family um, terpenes are so powerful for like healing the lungs. And so it's a, it's something that people you nebulize. Would, you nebulize. Because I was going to ask you, I was just, I just did um, a session in my private membership group with, uh, I don't know if you've ever spoken to Jean-Francois Tombe from CanLab. So he owns a research lab um, that manufacture a lot of, that synthesize their own peptides. And um, he was talking about nebulizing GHK Mm. for for lung issues. You know what else is amazing for (laughs) is, is anxiety. It's incredible. Like. Panic and anxiety. If you look at the the research, they've done research with um, rodent models and its ability to be an anxiolytic is unbelievable. And so what I find with um, with this breathe is I've had some some patients have just massive panic attacks Mm -hmm. and I have them like two minutes of breathing, nebulizing this breathe. And their panic attack is completely gone. Really? And so what do you think is happening with that? Well, um, like it's got, it's acting on the brain at that level, right? But yeah, you know, I, I can't help but think the connection with the lungs Mm -hmm. and, you know, I mean, at least my, my thoughts are this, this panic is like, you know, we were talking about the blue spot, right? And so this is where your CO2 sensing mechanisms are so when you're holding your breath and your co2 goes down to a certain level the um, locus cerullus is the primary area that basically triggers norepinephrine to be released right so norepinephrine is kind of the stress neurotransmitter that gets your attention Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and so that's why it's such an important area because it's the it's like ground zero for fear anxiety depression and um, pain uh, perception. Right. And so if you don't take care of that area, it can become overly excited right? and you can get some problems. So maybe GHK is working on that because you look at the color of it, right? Blue Blue. spot GHK and then methylene blue has all these amazing benefits to the blue spot as well. And it's that same blue. It is. Right, that that, that cobalt blue. Yes. It's a very particular blue. And actually I, I never thought of the fact that GHK copper and methylene blue are virtually. I've never been asked that about why. And yeah. I am going to go after this. I'm going <laughs> to go do some research, you know, and, and look at GHK's impact on the, the locus cerullus. And I bet you there's got there's, there's some be- stuff out there. Just I bet you that's the mechanism. There we go. New rabbit hole. <laughs> New chapter in my book. New chapter. Amazing. <laughs> Thanks, Nat. <laughs> All right. So so I did the V-cells today, and we've talked about that. But I did a whole bunch of stuff before, and then I did some stuff after. So let's talk a little bit about your, and I don't know if you want to talk about this on a podcast, but your pro- the protocol that I went through today. And because it wasn't, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go in there. They're going to take my blood. They're going to pump back the V-cells, and Bob's your uncle. I'm out the door. And not so much. It's been, it's been a great day. Let's just say, uh-huh. um, but we started with magnesium. Mm-hmm. Um, we then moved into silver. We then moved into methylene blue and I, methylene blue is your 
it's one of your many zones of genius. So I definitely want to dig into that a little bit today. Mm-hmm. But let can we talk a little bit about that sequence of, of events? And this is clearly a protocol you've developed. So mm-hmm. why the magnesium and then the silver? And then the meth, it's like a methylene blue sandwich because you do methylene blue, yeah. then you do the V-cells, then you do the methylene blue. So, yeah, yeah. it's a blue sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we so the first thing we did was we did a magnesium IV, and it wasn't a normal magnesium IV. It was um, 2,000 milligrams of magnesium chloride, which is at least four times more than the highest dose most doctors would Mm -hmm. normally be comfortable with. And I'm here. And, and, you know, (laughs) the, the, the challenge that you might run into is that it could lower your blood pressure. So we obviously checked your blood pressure before and you're not already low. Right. So we're watching you. Um, and we've done hundreds and hundreds of these and we found that, you know, it has a bit of a, a powerful relaxation, kind of a benzodiazepine kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. So you feel really relaxed. You might feel a little sleepy and there's a vasodilation that happens with magnesium. It opens up your blood supply. It relaxes your, your, your nervous system. It relaxes your blood vessels. And so this does a couple of things. One is you're alkalizing your, your blood, which can be really good for say like an ozone IV, which mm-hmm. we do a lot of, um, in the, in the situation with the silver and the um, methylene blue, we're wanting that, that nutrient to go deeper into the body. We want the cells to really absorb it. Right. And so when you have your microcirculations vasodilated, you get it deeper into the tissue. So you get a more, um, complete and profound, you know, absorption and, and effect. So we do that. And then the silver is complementary with methylene blue. In fact, gold is as well. Um, we are working on something that would be um, a gold treatment for our patients to add into the mix. But silver, they're, they're, they're what's called um, photodynamic, mm-hmm. right? And so there's this idea of photobiomodulation where light um, activates um, our cells, And so what happens is the methylene blue gets into the cell and it gets into the mitochondria. And once it gets into the mitochondria, it helps these different proteins that are in the mitochondria. There's four of them. There's four of the main ones. And it actually supports all four um, protein complexes. And the fourth one is called the cytochrome C oxidase, which is this is the complex that takes it's like cyto is cell and chrome is light. So it can either accept an electron or a photon. Yeah. And so you get methylene blue that gets into this system. It upregulates all four of those complexes. And then when you add light into it and you add photons, those photons, especially the ones that are in the spectrum of red between, you know, around 660 nanometers, um, cause it's absorbing that red cause it's that blue. Yeah. Right? And it's reflecting the blue. So it's absorbing those photons. It's pulling them into the mitochondria and it's shoving them into that electron transport chain, photon slash electron transport chain. So you get an enhancement of, of that. Most of the patients that we see have a chronic infection. Mm-hmm. And so when we run the red light intravenous, which we did at the very end, yeah. right. Um, all of the, any of those microbes that are floating around in your blood are going to get exposed to both methylene blue 
and the light, and that has a very antimicrobial effect. I think you would ask me, am I going to, how am I going to feel after this? Mm -hmm. We had a discussion about possibly having some die off reactions, which is possible. Yeah. I've got a faint headache, but I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good. I feel, I feel pretty good. Um, but yeah, so red light is, it's red light is prevalent in the whole protocol. Like you're irradiating the methylene blue bag. Um, then I was wearing a red light helmet. I had a red light up my nose. I had a red light. It was, we took a picture. You can't actually see me. I'm just like a ball of red light. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and there's the red light ID. Um, so, so it's, it's about, it's all about activating and waking up. And so there's, it's a process of, of waking up the body's healing ability at a cellular level. Yes. All this stuff. Yes. It's all pointing to the same thing. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's all about energy, right? So we run out of energy and that energy is what is allowing us to adapt because we're constantly needing to adapt, right? We're in an environment where we've got gravity, we've got oxygen, we've got oxidation, we have we nutrients that we're having to like metabolize and bring through and then waste products. So there's this constant need to like find this, this, this balance. And that never stops. Mm -hmm. And so you need energy in order to do that. So when you start to run out of energy, the adaptation doesn't become as robust. And that's when dis-hyphenese can start to develop, right? Lack of ease in the body. And it expresses itself based on the infections or the toxins that one might be accumulating and also their genetic standpoint. It's like some people might have genetics that would favor them to get a liver issue where another person might have a neurologic where Mm -hmm. another person might have a problem with their eyes. Right. right? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, it's, it's this anyway, it's, it's just, I, I love the elegance of the concept. And I've always said this on the podcast, the, the beauty of what can we do to help the body do what it does best, right? Open that door so that the body just steps in and says, all right, I got this. So one, one um, saying, one of my professors said when I was in school is that the body needs um, no help. It just needs no interference. I love that. I love that. <laughs> no, but that's amazing, right? Like it's, we're yeah, always it's getting good. in our it own just, way. Just, it's just so easy. Yeah, and enough yeah. said. Mic uh-huh. drop. And done. <laughs> um, okay, so let's dig into methylene blue a little bit because you, in your practice, have an array of methylene blue tools we'll talk mm-hmm. we'll speak right and a lot of them there's a lot of things that people can take home and use at home with methylene blue so um i know that before we spoke um i got a care package from that tara sent me and there were methylene blue little tablets the bars the bars um and what i love about those quite apart from anything else is i didn't have to suck on you know i didn't have to they didn't turn my mouth blue. I mean, I have a funny story. My mom and dad just received a shipment for me of methylene blue tincture, mm-hmm. and they didn't wait for me to tell them what to do with it. And yeah. my poor father took a bunch of it, put it in a glass, put it in his mouth, and I think he may have spit methylene blue all over the kitchen. It was my mother was could barely breathe. She was laughing so hard. And if you've got like, um, I think if you've got certain things in your mouth, they're going to stain permanently, right? Like, I think, I think he's okay. I would have heard about that. Like, I know, like, on my, I, I, all my teeth are, are re, you know, they're mine. Yeah. Um, but it comes out within a couple hours. Yeah. You know, yeah. usually. Yeah. Anyway, so it was it's a funny story, but the bars, you just swallow them, they go to work. But let's talk mm-hmm. a little bit about this array of applications of methylene blue, because methylene blue 
originally was an antimicrobial mm -hmm. compound. And I think a lot of it, so you talked about it for the mitochondria, which is a very, very powerful aspect of methylene blue. Mm -hmm. But I think the other piece of methylene blue is this antimicrobial. Antimicrobial, piece. yeah. So um, um, Paul Ehrlich in the late 1800s was um, tasked with finding a cure for malaria. And so he says, okay, well, I'm going to take my methylene blue because I want to stain. It's, there's a parasite that carries right. that carries malaria, right? So if you could kill that parasite, you got, you got covered. And so he took these, these parasites and he stained them. And he's watching them in the microscope, getting ready to add whatever drug to it to like, tap, does this work? Does he's this work? Them. And as soon as he put the stain, they died. So he found his cure. And so that was the first, um, you know, use of methylene blue in that capacity outside of actually staining tissues mm -hmm. um, and as an industrial dye. And so it um, found a home um, in, in, in doctor's offices as, as an anti-malaria, which is a big deal back in, in the, those days. Is it still used as an anti-malaria? Oh, yeah. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay. It, it's still probably the best option for it. Well, because the, the, so the difference between methylene blue and an antibiotic, to be clear, is that bacteria can't adapt to it. You don't get methylene blue resistant. Right. Exactly. exactly. So what happened was antibiotics came out and, and so they were using methylene blue and it was working fine. But as you know, with the pharmaceutical industry, you get a new product and you hire people to go out and promote it. And then you don't have any money for, for someone to go to the doctors or to be on TV now, which is the biggest problem is that they can right. advertise on TV, which hopefully our friend uh, Robert Kennedy is going <laughs> to get in there and stop that. Not for that. <laughs> but um, but it, you, you, they forget about it, right? So they're not learning about it in medical school. And all of a sudden, this new sexy Shiny thing toy. called antibiotics is out and everybody's talking about it. So this is what took over. Yep. But now there's a lot of resistant strains mm -hmm. um, to the antibiotics. And so people are starting to take another look at methylene blue or do combination therapies with methylene blue. And that's what's really fascinating is so many of the pharmaceutical companies are doing studies with methylene blue with something else because they can patent that. I was going to say they can protect that and call it. And, and they're just riding on the coattails of how amazing methylene blue would be because probably it would work better without their added the thing. XYZ. <laughs> yeah. But it's still better than whatever else is on yeah. the market. Maybe a little silver and red light. Um, yeah. So. So let's talk about the different like the different organisms that you found methylene blue to be useful in dealing with. Like, is it good for lime, mold, but mold lime? It's um, there's PVD. been some studies on lime. Yeah. yeah. So there, it, it works with lime. It works with virtually every co-infection. Um, I mean, I just don't know anything that it's not going to benefit because if you look at its ability to suppress the replication of the microbes. Um, and then the heightened um, support to the um, to the uh, mitochondria mm -hmm. is really key because in order for um, a microbe to win the battle in your body, they have to upregulate an inflammatory response that exceeds your ability to adapt to that mm -hmm. inflammation. It's that cell danger response, right? Right. And so 
you get an infection, you get an, you get an inflammatory response. That inflammatory response shifts the way that the cell makes energy away from the normal way, which is aerobic glycolysis, to this primitive anaerobic glycolysis. It's only 10% of the amount of energy that would normally be made otherwise. Right. And so then the immune system runs out of gas. Yeah. And then that kind of takes over and over and over again. So when you remove that, 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 that challenge, right? And then especially if you were to add um, um, uh, melatonin on top of methylene blue, which is what we Fix do quite way. a bit. Yes. You've got <laughs> quite a magical potion there. Okay. So before we go to melatonin, I have another question for people for methylene blue. So people worry is methylene blue going to mess up my microbiome? If it's an antimicrobial, how much is too much? Or is it the kind of thing that needs to be pulsed? Or like, you know, and I've seen methylene blue now used as an IV, intranasally, um, orally. I, oh, I, it are hurts you, are intranasally. You, like, methylene blue? Methylene blue is very painful intranasally. So the dosage is going to be really, really low. Yeah, the na- methylene blue nasal spray I was given is is actually a pale blue. Yeah. So <laughs> to be clear, it's not, it, it's it, not like blue. I've worked with it. That's why we don't have a methylene blue nasal spray because okay. it just, it's to me, it just was not, you don't need to deliver it that way. It's much okay. better to deliver oral. Um, there's a lot of different nutrients that aren't great delivered orally, like glutathione, mm-hmm. um, melatonin, because yeah. the gut and the gastric acids really break it down. Yeah. And then you have first pass through the liver. And so not a lot of it makes it into the bloodstream and then, of course, into the cells. Mm -hmm. So like, for instance, um, melatonin in the research is shown orally to only absorb two and a half percent. Wow. So just a tiny bit. Yeah. So that's why we have a whole line of suppositories or bullets that bypass the gut. And that's why we're really big fans of that route of um, delivery, because then you start to really see some changes mm-hmm. with, you know, inflammation and yeah. And with methylene blue too, you use that. Rectally? We, we do. And there is, um, some applications for that. Um, if you're wanting, um, it to work more like an IV, right. So okay. like, oh, so, so when you did it, if you take an oral dose, you're going to have, um, you're going to have methylene blue in your system for a while, but you're going to have this fairly rapid absorption. You know, it's like usually around an hour. Um, and that's about how long the IV is, you mm-hmm. know, it's about an hour. And so this is a, what's called peak plasma. So it's in your bloodstream and your body's, the cells are trying to pull it in and then it's going to kind of start to taper off over time where with a suppository peak plasma can be three to five hours or even more. Oh, wow. So even though it's not as high in the bloodstream, mm-hmm. it's to a steady level for a long, long time. Your cells don't absorb things very rapidly. Mm-hmm. And so there's a rate limitation, right? So when you take that glutathione, you know, even IV, right? And you have this big spike of glutathione in your bloodstream for an hour, um, you're, you're, you can only take a trickle of it into the cells right. because there's a, a, a rate that it can absorb. So you're much better off, I think, with a glute, you know, like a 600, like a Glutamax, mm-hmm. um, 600 milligram suppository, um, taking that before bed. Plus glutathione is a sleep promoting substance. So it enhances your sleep. It improves, um, viral immunity. It's, it's good for any type of viral issues. It's a, it's, you know, one of the primary ways that we detox heavy metals 
and, um, and, and different types of chemicals out of our body. Yeah. Um, sleep promoting substance. It's, it's also really augments a lot of inflammation with autoimmunity and, um, and just generalized inflammation in the body. That was the thing that really moved the needle for me early when I was really sick more than anything was a glutathione suppository. Really? Huh? That makes all the sense of the world though. Because it's, if it's a slower delivery and you're just going to have a steadier level. I mean, it's like when you take antibiotics, right? You've got to get everything up to a certain level and you got to hold it there. Mm-hmm. Or painkillers or whatever the case may be. So why would nutrients be any different? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and then you look at like melatonin and you want to keep that level up throughout the night, right? And you can't do that. I don't care how of a slow relief, slow release type of thing you've got, it's not going to really be releasing much beyond a couple of hours. Hey folks, quick break to talk to you about this product called MitoPure from Timeline Nutrition. This is the first product to offer a precise dose of urolithin A that supports mitophagy and increases cellular energy. The importance of mitophagy is huge. Turns out that mitochondria become damaged and dysfunctional over time, which can lead to the production of harmful byproducts and the disruption of normal cellular function. Mitophagy helps in maintaining healthy mitochondria by eliminating these damaged ones, allowing for the proper functioning of cells and improved overall cellular health. Optimizing your cellular health is crucial for maintaining healthy tissues, organs, and systems in our body, things like your heart, your brain, your immune system, and your muscles. So this is where MitoPure from Timeline Nutrition comes in. They have three ways to get your daily dose of 500 milligrams of urolithin A. They have a delicious vanilla protein powder that I love that combines muscle building protein with the cellular energy of MitoPure. There's a berry and a ginger powder that easily mix into smoothies or just about any drink. I like it in my yogurt in the morning. And finally, soft gels for travel. I use those all the time. Personally, I love the starter pack that lets you try all three forms of MitoPure. That way, you get to pick your own favorites. So Timeline is offering 10% off your first order of MitoPure. Just go to TimelineNutrition.com forward slash NAT10 and use code NAT10 to get 10% off your order. Now let's jump back into that episode. Okay, let's go back to that first question that I want the answer for. And then we're coming back to melatonin. We're coming right back to melatonin. Okay. And that was the, with with methylene blue, is there such a thing as too much that's going to damage the microbiome? Or like in terms of, of how we use methylene blue, should people be using it every day? Or is it the kind of thing, use it when you need it and then lay off? Well, so the answer to that is that um, yes to all of it. So the way that I find methylene blue to be useful is in more key um, issues. Like if I'm, if I'm, if I'm feeling like I'm coming down with something, Mm -hmm. um, if I'm actually fighting something, Mm -hmm. um, if I'm involved in traveling or I'm doing something that I really need like extra support, I'm going to go up to even 150 milligrams, 200 milligrams in a day. Okay. okay. So you're just going to hit it. Hard. But that's me, right? Yeah. Some people, you have to find your sweet spot. Mm-hmm. So you have to play around with it. So you're way safe at four milligrams per kilogram of body weight, okay. right? So the average person is pretty, pretty safe to take two to 300 milligrams in a day, right? Yeah. Um, and the only thing that really is a bit concerning to most of the um, uh, medical community is this, this idea of serotonin storm, right? Okay. Where it, because methylene blue, by the way, is an excellent, um, excellent for depression. 
and mood uplifting. There's been big clinical trials with humans showing that it's, it's pretty amazing, right? Okay. And so it does act as an SSRI. And so if you stack an SSRI or an MAO inhibitor on top of it, then there is a slight risk that you can get. Um, and this is based on, there was five cases that were, um, unfortunately, they didn't survive the serotonin storm because mm. 30% of the time, you, you know, you won't. It's okay. a very dangerous thing. But they were doing what's called a thymectomy. And so they did a very high dose, which is about 500 milligrams of methylene blue. So much more than what we even did today with yeah. you. They were on SSRIs, but they did the they did the methylene blue because the thymus is very metabolically active. So there's a lot of mitochondria. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that methylene blue accumulated in that gland. So when they're doing surgery, they can see it very clearly so they can cut it out, you know, um, with a good definition. And so... Then um, Mayo Clinic came out and retracted the warning because they kind of just blanket said, you can't take methylene blue and, and SSRIs. Oh, it's like okay. really, but you have to kind of look at that. It was really high doses. And, um, and so as long as you're kind of under that, like I said, that four milligram per kilogram and you're taking SSRIs, according to the expert, which is um, um, Francisco Gonzalez Lima. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, if anybody really wants to take deep dives into that, I know Mercola did a great interview with him. And um, he's had a few other podcasts out there that are really good on methylene blue. And he's kind of like the man. And he was very adamant that he felt like it was not a warning that should stick around. So Mayo retracted that warning. They said only if you're getting this surgery um, and this, your country, Canada, retracted that warning. Oh, nice. But um there's still a lot of people going out, going around really with very scary language online. And so, um, and unfortunately the, the group of people that would benefit the most from methylene blue that are on SSRIs could start taking methylene blue. Of course, you talk to your doctor and get off the SSRI. Like just wean yourself off. Because this is yeah. the way it works is that, um, this concept of endotoxins, I think we need to like just briefly touch on this is that this is the toxin released by infections, right? And so we have microbial overgrowth that can occur in, in our doorways, our nasal passage, our mouth, our colon. I'm going to be talking about this tomorrow. Yeah. And so these outgas endotoxins and these endotoxins are incredibly inflammatory, right? If you have a chronic Epstein-Barr infection or you have Lyme, I mean, these are endotoxins that are released Mm -hmm. or lipopolysaccharides is another word for them. Yeah. And they're incredibly, they're incredibly toxic. They're incredibly inflammatory. They're linked to everything from cancer to just virtually almost all diseases, degenerative neurologic diseases, et cetera. So we want to minimize these, right? And so um, when you have an infection, the way that the body responds to that is it releases, it releases nitric oxide. Yeah. Right. And it's because it's a vasodilator so that you can dilate the blood vessels so the body can bring in blood supply, mm -hmm. which brings in the macrophages and the, the neutrophils and so forth to deal with an infection. Yeah. And then remove the waste. Exactly. So what they found is that nitric oxide was directly related to depression. You mean more nitric oxide means more depression? Right. No kidding. So, so it's, and it's not that nitric oxide is bad. No. Like nitric oxide <laughs> is good and there's different forms of nitric oxide. But the point is, you know, 
a lot of people are walking around with chronically high nitric oxide and it's because they have a chronic infection. And so then, then they're depressed and they're on SSRIs, which have a very negative impact on the blue spot, the locus cirrhosis in the ponds, mm-hmm. which then cause you not to be able to, to adapt and to have something called memory consolidation. So it, it just causes so much more long-term challenges with um, behavior and relationships and mental um, health. And it's kind of obvious, like it's not working, right? I mean, all of these oh, mass yeah. shootings, I know. these kids are on, all on SSRIs. Well, and I mean, and there's someone in my life on an SSRI right now that's in a total downward spiral, you know, yeah. and the meds aren't working. And the solution they're being offered by their doctor is, oh, we'll just have to change your meds. Right, yeah. It's, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. So how do we deal with that here? Um, well, we look at things like, a ketamine experience, right? Mm-hmm. Where we take people into a, a very safe space and we, we get them to look at their, how they're identifying themselves with themselves, how they're identifying with themselves in this world, in this life and their place in this world and getting, getting some of those answers and having an experience where, you know, you can look at yourself with a little bit of compassion is one step, but then the chemistry needs to be cleaned up. So yeah. things like methylene blue, what an amazing tool for, for, for these things. And then we, you know, we, we're going to circle back to melatonin as well. Absolutely. <laughs> the research on melatonin and depression is, is really um, powerful. And also just in, in neurology in general. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is that melatonin works on the mitochondria in almost as a, as a fascinating way as methylene blue does. And when you put them together, you really have something, which is what we like to do with a lot of people that we work with, right? Mm -hmm. So um, what melatonin does is we had talked about those endotoxins. We talked about infections and how that, and even toxins, right? Heavy metals and all these pesticides and so forth. They create an inflammatory response in the body. Mm-hmm. That inflammation shuts down life force. It's shutting down the mitochondria. We talked about how it shifts the energy from one form to a lesser 10% form. Yeah. And so what's in the cell that's holding it from going and making that switch is melatonin. Every single cell, every mitochondria in your body is relying on melatonin to keep the energy in the more favorable um, fashion. And if you give exogenous melatonin, it's been shown to not only keep it in that um, aerobic glycolysis in the mitochondria um, with an individual allowed to have more of an inflammation. So that that um, hormetic window. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So for people not familiar with hormesis, it means that a little bit of stress isn't enough to stimulate an adaptive response. You have kind of the um, the Goldilocks zone, which is just enough stress where the body can adapt. And the more you kind of get up into that Goldilocks zone, the more your body's going to like adapt and grow from it. Like exercise, you lift enough weights, you get stronger. You don't lift enough, nothing really happens. You overdo it, you know, you pull your tendon, you rip the muscle, you know, the body can't replace those glycogen storages because you just can't adapt to it, right? Yeah. And it's the same thing with this inflammation is the melatonin is what's dictating that ceiling in that hormetic window when it comes to us fighting infections. 
And so, but you use melatonin because I have a good friend who used um, your melatonin products, actually. I think it was melatonin suppositories mm -hmm. um, after a particularly virulent viral infection okay. over the last couple of years. And she was using like doses that would make a lot of people's ears bleed just to hear this number, right? But she was using it in the morning. Okay. Right? So it's daytime melatonin use, and it was, I think it was 200 milligrams, am I, or 250 milligrams? Well, well the Sandman has That's 200. It, the Sandman. Yeah. But, she, but we're not talking about, and I, I mean, maybe the Sandman is, I mean, Sandman would imply that it's useful for sleep as well, but she would be using it in the morning and talking about how you can function just fine during the day, and it has a lot to do with getting outside and seeing sunlight and the whole nine yards. Maybe you want to talk about that a little bit, because... I guess the other question I have around melatonin is this idea that genetically some of us are slow melatonin metabolizers, like me over here, mm -hmm. and some people are fast melatonin metabolizers. And, you know, at a very surface level, the fast melatonin metabolizer is the person who would use that slow release melatonin overnight. And the slow melatonin metabolizer is a person like me who might take their melatonin at nine mm -hmm. for a couple hours before bed and doesn't want to take it. So there's a, there's a paradox here. Right. right? Mm -hmm. There's the don't take more than two milligrams because God forbid you do, it's going to make you depressed and crazy versus the actually every cell in your body has a need for this mm -hmm. and it's not going to make you sleepy. So this is going to be our last deep dive of this podcast because okay. I don't even know how long we've been going, but I know it's been a while and yeah. I, we could be here for a really long time. We could, yeah. <laughs> well, this is a great final question then. Um, so melatonin uh, is a more challenging nutrient to prescribe, you know, and to, 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 to work with. Most people are fine. You know, they do great with it, but the, like you said, you know, there's people that are slower metabolizers. So like if you are more sensitive to caffeine, caffeine and melatonin kind of share the same detox pathways or clearance pathways. And then you may be um, a slower metabolizer of melatonin. What that means is that when you take it, it's going to stay in your system for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. And so what that, how that shows up is that it's, you know, Hey, I wake up in the morning and I just can't shake the grogginess. Like, I don't know if melatonin's for me, Yeah. you know? Exactly. So if you take and you dose the melatonin, maybe an hour or two hours, or even sometimes three hours before you go to sleep, then by the time you wake up, you've had more runway for, or time for that to metabolize out. And then, you know, an individual might say, well, shoot, if I take it at say seven or eight, I mean, aren't I going to be tired and want to go to sleep? 20% of the population will. Most people, if there's light in their environment, it's not going to activate the pineal melatonin. Right. Right. So there's a difference. We're talking about, you know, um, so there's a difference between exogenous and endogenous melatonin. Well, I mean, pineal and extra pineal. Okay. So the pineal melatonin is going to be really regulated to the suprachiasmic nucleus and this whole aspect of circadian rhythm Yeah. where we're going to switch to going to sleep. Right. When we talk about extra pineal melatonin, we could sit here and have some fascinating conversations about everything from gut health and microbiome to cardiovascular, to infection, to neurologic health, to um, liver, cancer, cancer. Oh like my gosh, cancer. cancer is huge with melatonin. Yeah, because cancer is a 
mitochondrial problem mm -hmm. and cancer. When we talked about that switch and that cell danger response, yeah. that's cancer. Otto Warburg discovered that that is what happens in a cancer cell is it loses the ability to properly use sugar in the aerobic glycolysis. So mm -hmm. it primarily goes through fermentation and that lends itself to a lot of problems that then cause some um, problems with um, cellular uh, duplication and you know then you have all of those problems that ensue and so most any doctor that is um, doing good solid work with cancer is really looking at and understanding that they need to fix the mitochondria mm. you fix the mitochondria you fix the cancer okay let's go back to melatonin high dose melatonin not and cancer necessarily but let's so we talked so you you were just saying about people who are slow metabolizers, but you have very specific melatonin protocols and products. You have the Sandman that you were talking about. So mm -hmm. Sandman is 250 milligrams of melatonin? It's 200. Or 200. Yeah, it's 250 of glutathione. And so it's the glutathione melatonin. Oh, it's the combo of those two, yeah. Okay. And so do people use that at night or are they using it during the day? And so this is obviously extra pineal melatonin. So Am I understanding that extra pineal melatonin essentially serves different functions than sleep? It's serving a different master. Well, you're you're getting an, an effect in the pineal, and it would be um, an interesting, you know, I mean, arguably, you could be looking at a very low dose of melatonin to get that pineal activation. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about oral absorption being two and a half percent, mm -hmm. and I've met people that have taken one milligram and two milligrams and they say, I take that and I am like ready to like they're done. They feel it. Right. Yeah. But it's totally homeopathic. Right. But homeopathy works. Hey, Kind of like right? placebo works. Yeah. I mean, who's to argue? I don't think it's a placebo though. I, I think that either. there's a homeo, yeah. but like two and a half or two, 2.5% of um, two milligrams is a tiny, tiny dose. Yeah. But we know from, we even know from peptides that a hundred micrograms of something can be pretty freaking powerful in the human body. Oh yeah. It doesn't take much. No. And sometimes it's just a nudge. Yeah. I mean, I've used um, oxytocin sub-Q, and I talk about this. Like, I've used oxytocin sub-Q for anabolic benefits post-workout, and I will use 75 micrograms. So this is less than a tenth mm. of, of a milligram. And within, within a minute, I have a head rush. Mm -hmm. Like, how crazy is that, that you can introduce such an infinitesimally tiny, like a drop of something into belly fat mm -hmm. and inside of a minute your head feels like well wow. think about this concept and then think about how much drugs are in our like drinking water oh, like fountain yeah, water i know you know because <laughs> i don't <laughs> all drink the, all the Everybody's, toxins yeah, i mean I boy you're we have to adapt to a lot of challenges these days I know. you go out for dinner for, with people and i'm like ordering the bottled water and they're like well no i drink tap water and they i'm getting the hairy eyeball for spending money on 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 good water. And I'm like, you're drinking alcohol. That's costing like $75 a bottle. I'll take my $5 bottle of water. Yeah. Thank you very much. Exactly. Knock yourself out. Exactly. <laughs> um, did you know that Pellegrino has a high amount of fluoride in it? No, don't tell me that. Is that the, is that the bottle of water you <laughs> it's love? It's one of the ones. I actually like look, Pellegrino better than... Look it up. It's you're going to like this. Who shared this with me? Oh, that's um, so disappointing. Uh, ben Azadi. 
Really? I think Ben, yeah, we were out, we were out the last uh, event that we did and he said that and we looked it up and lo and behold, it, it, it's natural. They say it's natural from the aquifers. That's bullshit. But who cares if it's know, natural? It's going to mess up your thyroid. Your pineal. Yeah. And your, and your pineal. Yeah. It's going to make a mess of your world. Yeah. All right. That's depressing. Okay. Fine. No more Pellegrino. Yeah. Fine. And we're going to short um, Pellegrino stock because once this podcast drops, it's going to be like. Sorry. <clears throat> sorry, Pellegrino. Sorry, Pellegrino. Yeah. Um, we, sorry, not sorry. People need to know these things. Um, okay. Take so, it out of your water. Find another water source. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be like calcifying everybody's pineal. No. We need that connection to the divine. Amongst other Now more than ever. ever. (laughs) (laughs) Big time. Um, No Wi-Fi needed. Okay. So, so Sandman, so the Sandman product, the Sandman suppositories, what do you, what do you have people use that for generally? I'm sure it's got many different applications because of the glutathione and the melatonin, like clearly based on our conversation, it lends itself to many different things. But in general, if somebody's listening to this in, in general terms, who might use it and how might they use it? Well, I think, um, like for if sleep? you look at, if you look at melatonin's, um, uh, how much we naturally make yeah. and, and compare that to age, you can see that it drastically drops off after the age of 40. Yeah. Um, what's really interesting too, I don't know if you and your followers are into heart rate variability, yep. but if you look at the graph of heart rate variability and age, it's almost identical to how melatonin drops off. Yeah. And then you start to think about heart rate variability and how that is really hardwired to like, um, um, vitality and health and lifespan. And the reason being is because it's a balance between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic Mm -hmm. nervous system. Mm -hmm. And so the heart takes some input from the sympathetics and then it takes a little bit from the parasympathetics and it's kind of going back and forth like a tennis match. Right. It's kind of sloppy. Yeah. And so that variability is like really important. And what is not happening to traditionally is that we are not having too much parasympathetic nervous system mm-hmm. and not enough sympathetic, right? It's usually what's the decline is that we're losing that ability to rest and digest and for the body to really deeply relax. And as we get older, you know, our sleep becomes challenged due to this. We have low melatonin. And so when we start thinking about melatonin's place in this rhythm that we go through every day, right? We have sleep wake, Mm -hmm. but we also have this idea of when we wake up, cortisol's excreted, norepinephrine, cortisol, we're up, we're getting things done. And there's certain um, physiology that happens in the body that allows that to, to be efficient. And then at the opposite, when we go to sleep, we need a very strong parasympathetic mm-hmm. activation. We need to shut things down and we need to start healing and regenerating our body. And so like cortisol is to daytime to getting you up and getting things done, melatonin is to nighttime and the parasympathetic nervous system. So when individuals start taking um, supplementing with melatonin, you'll start to see a drastic improvement in heart rate variability. Wow. And when you start thinking about the stresses that we face in this world and you start realizing that it's, it's normal for us, for our melatonin to decline, you have to start asking yourself, well, do I want to make that to, to change it mm-hmm. and to have the benefits of melatonin as if I was young 
you're going to have to supplement with it. Yeah. You can't biohack this. No. You, you can't deal with your, your, you know, I mean, yes, you want more red lights at night in your house, right? You want, you know, to minimize the light pollution. You want your room cold. You want it mm. completely dark. You want to minimize any type of stress at night, right? You want to wind down. I mean, you want to protect your sleep, but it's still not going to bring your melatonin to the levels right. of when you were young, right? So there in lies supplementing with melatonin. So when I'm asked that, I mean, I think most people can benefit from it unless you're on some deserted island and you've got, you're being fanned and fed grapes and like life is great, right? There's no stress. I do like that. <laughs> exactly. Right. I don't think we'd be happy doing no, that. No, no. I don't think it would be. We need I, to be busy. It might be fun for a day. <laughs> yeah, right. I'd be like, okay, enough with the grapes. Um, too much sugar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so then, so just to be clear, because I'm going to be doing this. So Sandman at night. And for me, slow metabolism. We, we dose people during the day if they like cancer um, cases or degenerative neurologic, or if there's like some well, sick, heavy, right? sick stuff that we're trying to get through. Yeah. Then we start to, and, I, and this is something I learned from my friend Frank Schallenberger. Yeah. I mean, this is what he was doing in his clinic. And so this is kind of how my approach is to, to using melatonin. Okay. That's awesome. That's so fascinating. Anyway, listen. One, one thing that you me. do want to um, watch out for, and um, there's a fellow online, his name is Jack Cruz, and he's really um, quite a genius when it comes to photobiomodulation and light. However, he's got, you know, a very particular personality that rubs a lot of people. Um, and one of the things that I find interesting is he's very down on melatonin. Mm -hmm. And his argument is that it, um, it can have a negative impact on the retina and that you don't have the ability to, um, to protect that retinal tissue from light. And so he's referencing a study that was done with rodents, which are nocturnal and the rodents were albino. Okay. Well, that's a problem. So <laughs> they have no pigmentation in their eye. <laughs> right. So, also they have whiskers and ears, which we don't have. But on top of that, so it, they're, they're, and, and they're, they're nocturnal. On top of that, you'd have to be dosing melatonin during the day. So what I take from that is, yes, maybe dosing melatonin during the day might provide a slight risk to the eyes. So that in that the retina can't protect itself from the light. Okay. Right. And that's just a possibility, right? Because it's based on this study with albino rodents, but... Um, I've not done a lot of dosing with melatonin, um, at, in the daytime personally, okay. but I've done probably more melatonin than I think probably anybody walking this planet. Mm -hmm. And my eyes are fantastic and my skin's fantastic. You know, I go out in the sun all day long. I don't even get burned. Yeah. Well, interesting. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you have great color and you have great skin. Two things we don't often see coinciding. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Thank I'm you. sure there's magic to that. <laughs> well, we have a melatonin cream, Mitoskin. And so does that make people sleepy? Because I once played with powdered melatonin and put it on my face. And well, you're sensitive. I had a very you, deep sleep that you, night. <laughs> this might actually be a good way for you to dose the melatonin. Yeah. You know, you put it on your face at night. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I'll I give you some and you can try it. Definitely. I'll report back. Okay. Okay. I think we're going to wind this down, not because I want to, but because I think uh, probably I should. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be one of those podcasts people are going to have to listen to maybe in a couple of, um, which is great. I encourage you guys to do that. It's like two or three podcasts in one. So I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you also for an incredible day here today. And I would encourage people Check out your website. You've got some great information. You've got a couple of beautiful books, one mm -hmm. on um, melatonin, mm -hmm. obviously, yeah. and then the other one on my next adventure here, which will be the endonasal cranial therapy, which is an adventure from what I've heard. Yeah. Um, but maybe tell people a little bit about how they can reach you, find you, learn more, maybe try some of these amazing products of yours. Um, sure. Here. So um, I'm on Instagram, Dr. John. Laurence yeah. at Instagram. And then I have a website that's, you know, we talk about some of the events that we do and some of the educational um, things, which is drjohnlaurence.com. Yeah. The clinic, we're here in Sarasota. Um, we, a lot of people fly in. Mm -hmm. uh, we do a lot of different types of treatments. So you can check that out at advancedrejuvenation.us. Okay. Dot us. And thank you for having me on your show. It's oh been my a pleasure. God. Such <laughs> a pleasure. Thank you so much. So before we go, um, you guys, if you're still with us, you're about to get, well, I don't know if you're going to get a reward. I think it's a reward because I'm all about, this is all really great information, but how do I put it into action? So I wanted to talk about a couple of the different items that you have in your shop on your website and also why, you know, like methylene mm -hmm. blue, for example, we talked a lot about methylene blue today. I know that every time I brought up methylene blue, Honestly, it's like everything else. It's like peptides. The devil is in the details. It's about quality. It's about how clean it is. Methylene blue, I believe, can be contaminated with certain with heavy, heavy metals. metals yeah. um, which, you know, so how how ironic is that, right? You're trying well, you to deal to with careful. one thing and you mm -hmm. introduce another thing. So let's talk a little bit about some of the products that you have in your store okay. and how people kind of use them. So there's the methylene blue, there's you have glutathione, like the, the glutostat, the mm -hmm. NAD. We didn't even talk about NAD today, but, mm -hmm. you know, we can only cover so much in one episode. So, and I want to save something for later, but, okay. but, but, and the, and, um, and the melatonin. So, okay, cool. So first of all, um, our, our, our store is a members based, um, store, right? So okay. it's, it's, um, mitozen.club. Yeah. And so there's a $10 lifetime membership fee. Okay. And so that gives you access to, um, basically shopping and going into the store. And so what that allows us to do is be a little bit more open with, um, with, with protocols and explaining the products because, Otherwise, there's really nothing we can really say about it. And there's also some of the delivery systems that we're using are, you know, sometimes going to be confused with um, prescription medicines and so forth just because it's delivered in the various methods like nasal sprays or suppositories, right? Okay. So it allows the public to access things that are much more powerful than what you would normally find just, you know, regularly on the... Um, you know, in commerce. So once you, once you join as a member, then you're also accessing a lot of information that we're going to be starting to load onto the website where we're going to be talking about, you know, if you're into a lot of things that you're talking, we're talking about in this podcast, then you're going to like, you know, a lot of the content that we have there. 
So with that said, um, with methylene blue, you have to be careful because it can be quite toxic mm-hmm. unless it's a pharmaceutical grade. Yeah. So we purchase pharmaceutical grade um, um, uh, methylene blue, but not only that, we tested ourselves just to make sure. Yeah. So every batch, every lot number, we're, we're, we're sending it out and making just double checking. Um, and um, we have a variety of different um, suppository deliveries. We've got the, the more popular ones with the melatonin, and then we have um, glutathione suppositories, and then there's NAB suppositories, which a lot of people are really into, right? And they, you go get an IV, and it can be up to, you know, a thousand dollars or so, mm-hmm. and you have to sit there for many hours and feel nauseous. And feel nauseous, so you have no side effects. That's the um, NAD Max suppository is um, really popular, and it's and is it as effective as the as the IV? I think it's more so, really, um, because what it is, it's 500 milligrams of NAD, mm-hmm. 250 milligrams of NMN and 250 milligrams of NR. Plus there's physotin in there that, because they've been shown, NAD has been shown to support senescent cells. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to dose NAD every day, which a lot of people like, that's like their daily dose. So you're saying it feeds senescent cells? It supports them. So like, if you're trying to like clear them, like you definitely don't want to take NAD on fasting days or within fasting windows. Interesting. Good, good information. I recommend people take, you know, like the, so the NAD max suppository, you're going to have probably an equal um, effect as if you went to a, a, you know, a a clinic and you had an NAD um, IV, Um, but three, maybe four times, maybe five times a week, you know, but it's not really another product. I, I even taking breaks from that. And then taking, yeah. No, you could do that. a week a month if you wanted yeah. to, or a couple weeks a month. Yeah. Methylation's a big issue. Um, yeah. I'm, I know you deal with that quite a bit. And this is our other detox pathway outside of um, glutathione. And this is very problematic for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so we, we need to be methylating a lot of, you know, our hormones are, meth, you know, methylated out. And um, our B vitamins and folic acid are primarily kind of supporting that. So we have a suppository that is just we Dan Pomp and I really looked at methylation. We're thinking, okay, well, a lot of these things really aren't very well absorbable, Mm -hmm. but let's like let's like science out. Like if we were to have the most incredible methylation, I mean, there's tetrahydrofolate in there. There's, um, you know, there there's there's um, Sam E. I mean, there's there's things that you would never even think of, but are like shown in the research to really support methylation. Yeah. Along with like your B6, your your B12. Like the boring stuff. And the full. Yeah. 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 So but, you've got a methylated B suppository. Like so methylation support. I, right. Methylmax. I find that Methylmax and that NAD Max to be a really nice combo, like in the morning, if I have, if I really need to turn my brain on. Mm-hmm. So we use that a lot for our patients that have mold and Lyme and, and are, are ill because it's a really nice support. Yeah. Um, but it's also really nice for people that are just executives and just looking for that extra edge or that boost in a day where they want a little bit more neurological power. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay. So that's the, the NAD max with the the Methylmax together mm-hmm. um, when you're needing a little extra. Mm-hmm. Like like Luke's story really enjoys using, you know, he's a, a, a big podcaster. A lot of people might know. Yeah. Um, and he, he, he says, you know, if I take the NAD Max before I get on a plane, he said, I feel fresh. He says, I've never used anything 
that has ever moved the needle because he just suffers so much when he travels. Something about flying in an airplane. Yeah. So, you know, we hear these different stories back from different people about how um, they're having a lot of success with, with, you know. Well, definitely flying knocks the, you know, you're exposed to radiation at 30,000 feet. Like at totally. the end of the day, it's whether you feel it or not, it's knocking the stuffing out of your system. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we did, so we've done methylene blue. So methylene blue, you're delivering as a. So that's Luma, Lumatol. Blue. Lumatol. That's the tap. And they're, that's they're the little, little bars. Yeah. Right. And so we have a bar that's um, 40 milligrams per bar. So you can break that into quarters and you can take that as small as five milligram, um, 10 milligram doses. Yep. And then we have a 180 milligram. Um, so that's more of a therapeutic. Which, bar. yeah. So, but, you know, I'd say very commonly a quarter, which is 40 milligrams to a half, which is 80 milligrams is a pretty common sweet spot that mm-hmm. we find people really notice that they really like that dosage. Yeah. But, um, you know, if you talk to Joe Mercola or you hear some of his interviews with, um, Georgie, um, they, they, they talk about, you know, a 15 milligram every day being like, you're crazy if you're not taking it because it's so neuroprotective, Yeah. you know? So you, you, there's, there's little, there's some controversy out there about this, like super, super low dose versus a higher dose. I've tended to be a little bit more on the higher dose because I'm looking at the research and I'm not seeing what they're seeing with this mm-hmm. low dose, mm-hmm. like that study that they did for depression. Yeah. They were giving people, um, you know, three, 400 milligrams a day. Wow. And they noticed that the higher they went up, the better the depression was. That's crazy. I mean, the, the better the antidepressant. Well, that's, I, I kind of knew what you were yeah. saying there. <laughs> we weren't feeding depression. Yeah. Um, One thing that I think a lot of physicians and a lot of people in general are missing the boat on is nasal hygiene. Okay. Nasal and oral hygiene. And then obviously we talked a little bit about that door, the doorways, right? So the mm-hmm. microbiome is really important. But for nasal hygiene, there's not really a lot better than essential oils because it breaks up biofilm and they're antimicrobial. Mm -hmm. And so glutostat um, has NAC, it has glutathione, it has oregano, sage, clove, bay leaf. It's powerful. It's really nice, actually. Yeah, it's it's got spicy, uh, right? Spicy is the perfect word for it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we've had some really good success with before and after um, Marcon tests with that, which is the most difficult nasal infection to clear. But it never ceases to surprise me how much better people get when you get their nasal passage healthy. Well, nobody talks about the nasal biome. No. I mean, virtually. Very few people talk about it. So that's really interesting. And we definitely, the whole Marcon issue or SIRS, the chronic inflammatory response syndrome, like I know that melanotan can be used intranasally for that, but Mm -hmm. it sounds like glutostat is a pretty would be a pretty interesting well the mouth the mouth is also uh essential oils work great for oh, the mouth. mouth we you have, have bocha zen too yeah the bocha zen has fennel say um fennel um clove oregano um moringa mm-hmm. um ginger um and so this is a really uh, a really beautiful blend of essential oils that you put in your mouth you move it all around your gums and then you can use a toothpick and that's like a daily kind of maintenance. Mm-hmm. And what's really fascinating is that this trigeminal nerve, which innervates the mouth and the nose and the face, 
feeds into the brainstem and um, these endotoxins. So this is what happens when we're not taking care of these doorways is this endotoxins move into those nerves and they start to actually populate and accumulate in certain areas in the nervous system. And this is what activates these like different protein tangles, right? Mm -hmm. Neurofibrillary mm -hmm. tangles, beta amyloid plaque and all. These are the things that are associated with degenerative neurologic disease that we don't want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So these plaques are a response to the well, they're endotoxins. They're protective. Yeah, it's the immune system. I, totally. Like it, it's so, which, you know, we won't, we won't, we don't want to have another podcast, but you know, there's, there's a, the drug that just got approved is about breaking down the plaque, which is all great as long as you have something on board to deal with the stuff that the plaque's been protecting you from in the first place, yeah, which I don't well, think is part of the protocol. I think we could rabbit hole really yeah. deep here. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like rein that in for the next podcast. Okay. All right. So anyway, so Bocazen taking care of the mouth. And, it, and interestingly enough, I think enough people have heard about the mouth infections in the mouth leading to systemic issues well whether this, it's heart disease or what i wanted what i was leading to is i was leading back to the blue spot always back to the blue spot because we're, we're the trigeminal blue. nucleus feeds into the locus cerullus and they found that with alzheimer's and even parkinson's that the 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 neurofibrillary tangles start in the locus cerullus and move up no and all of the symptoms associated with the early stages are all blue spot related. No kidding. So this really gets, you know, it, it lends pause to thinking about how important it is for us to look at nasal hygiene and oral hygiene and even like, you know, biological dentistry. Like I just had my cavitations removed, mm -hmm. right? And you talk mm -hmm. about like root canals. I mean, these are the things that can really be, you know, like gasoline on a fire yeah. for degenerative neurologic disease. Well, and it's this slow burn, right? Because yeah. it's not identified and it just keeps going and going and going and people don't know it. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So, so using something like glutostat, you know, you put it in your car, you know, you, you got the Boca, the Boca's in. I have people doing this protocol where, you know, they do a couple sprays, you know, they, they put the oil in their mouth and, and it's, it's kind of neat because it's spicy and there's an effect neurologically that activates the vagus nerve. So after that burn, yeah. you, you kind of feel good. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. feel relaxed. Nice. I like that. Which is like a perk. <laughs> <laughs> side benefit. Side, side benefit. So with regards to the, the colon, I think this can be a more complicated um, conversation, but me um, melatonin can be fantastic for the microbiome. In fact, Research shows that um, it suppresses the bad bacteria and it causes proliferation of the good bacteria. So um, I, yogurt, there's a yogurt recipe that we can link to. Yeah. Um, it's the ProBioZen yogurt. Um, Tara's going to be presenting about that tomorrow. I'm mm -hmm. a big fan of that. I think eating um, certain diet um, uh, approaches can be really favorable to the microbiome and then avoiding um, foods that have, you know, that are, um, that are non-organic, mm -hmm. you know, cause those are going to kill your microbiome just like they kill, you know, the bugs don't like to eat them. You know, yeah. so the Even the bugs don't like eating them. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you also have some liposomal products, don't you? Which yeah. is another really mm -hmm. great delivery 
yeah. mechanism. Yeah. So the, um, the, the Sandman comes in a liposomal. Okay. You know. And so is there a different indication for that or is it just for people who don't like to stick things up their bum? Well, that plus <laughs> it, when you do a suppository, the effects usually take 30 to 45 minutes before they really kick in. So you can't take, um, a melatonin suppository and like you start to feel it right away where you can take a liposomal um, melatonin, you know, the Sandman and like within 10, 15 minutes, like you're, you're ready for bed. Really? So okay. some people will kind of utilize both. Um, I personally really like the, um, the liposomal version mm -hmm. because I can take it and I know, you know, I'm like you're ready done. for sleepy time. Yeah. <laughs> it's predictable. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, um, so if you've made it to the end of this part, you do get a reward because if you, the website is, is it the Dr. John Lawrence.com? So, or is it mitozen.club? Oh, right. So you join the mitozen.club and then you get access not only to these products, but you also get access to all the information, which I think is the big win. I mean, the right. products are the big win, but. Well, this, so this is the deal. You can find some of these products at mitozen.com because we're making the switch. Yeah. But there are a lot of products you can't find on yeah. mitozen.com. However, if you, you, if you do this through mitozen.club, you get 10% off. Right. Because we're giving everybody 10% off. That's so it's right. going to really outweigh that small membership fee. Yeah, then... you'll, you'll win the membership fee back like this. And all you have to do is use code NAT10. Uh, we keep it simple around here. Nat 10. You don't have to spell my whole name or anything. Uh, you don't have to remember where the H goes. Nat 10 gets you 10% off anything in the store. Nice. Club. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> Before we wrap up today's episode, I'd love to invite you to sign up for my newsletter. Each week, I share my biggest key takeaways from that week's podcast episode, giving you insight into how to take action on what you learned in the interview. Plus, I share the biohacks I'm loving that week and why, as well as facts and tips about peptides for longevity. To join the newsletter, head over to natalienidham.com forward slash newsletter to get access now or find the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for your continued support and for tuning in to today's episode. I wish you all the best this week in biohacking your superhuman performance. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.